Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are not financial advisors. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guest is not formal advice or a recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome in, everyone. This is the Fundamental Analysis Show on Chit Chat Money. Uh, before we get started, though, we got to talk about one, our seven investing friends, and two, what we're going to be doing for the month of December. Oh, I'll right. let Ryan talk about what we're going to be doing in December, and then I'll talk about seven investing, and then we'll get on to talking about Magnite. Okay, so for the month of December, we are throwing out the script. We are not doing our typical Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday shows. It's going to be 25 stocks of Christmas, so... Um, every single day, December 1st through the 25th, we're having an interview. Uh, we're having a guest come on, and they're pitching one stock. So it's basically 25 stock pitches. Um, there's plenty of really good ideas that we're already seeing. We have them all lined up, and I think you're, you guys are definitely going to enjoy it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's you know friends from Twitter, Twitter yeah. analysts we've met, people we've interviewed before, um, and people on the 7 Investing team will be a part of it as well. So I'll talk about that. But, or, yeah. You ready? yeah, I was going to say, it's probably the most exciting thing I could – I'd say we've done ever. so far. Yeah, a little bold, but yeah. we're we're uh, excited to see how it works out. Uh, but yeah, we need to talk about the partners at Seven Invest. Uh, you can get ten dollars off your first month with the service if you use our code CCM at checkout. Gets you seven dollars on your first month. Looking forward to talking with these guys on the twenty five stocks of Christmas to kind of get an insight into what they do, how they look at. Uh, Companies, I don't know, Ryan. What you got? Anything else on that? Yeah, I mean, it, we we say it on every show, but the analysis is actually really, really good. Uh, we look forward to seeing their wrecks all the time, and we are going to be getting some. They're not wrecks, but uh, they are companies that they like, so you kind of get a glimpse into uh, the way they think. Yep. All right, and then we're going to now talk about on our Sunday show, Magnite. Uh, first off, bad name. Uh, it really makes me think about like a cave. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, it makes you think about stalagmites or whatever those things are called. I think I might be saying that wrong. Um, really yeah. bad name, but you want to talk? It sounds like one of the ele- like one of the things on the elemental chart that's like yeah. <laughs> yes. way down there. Yes, and, yes, one uh, of those last ones, I like ninety three. It also Tungsten. sounds like it's ran by Billy McFarland. I mean, yeah. it just feels shady. But whatever, I'll get into what they do. Magnite is the world's largest independent sell side ad platform. So, if you don't know how that works a user would sign into a publisher so for example let's say espn's roku app espn has a commercial spots in there this is called their ad inventory so they will take that ad space and they'll give a request to a supply side or a sell side platform like magnite to conduct an auction to fill that spot and whoever takes the bid and And who is who is the whoever whoever is technically it's a demand side platform usually but the demand side platform is servicing brands so Let's say Coca-Cola wants to uses the trade desk to uh, give them their ads, and they would mix it with the ad inventory that Magnite controls. And so that auction is done, and then Coca-Cola fills the ad spot on ESPN's commercial. And whatever. this is all happening within a millisecond, right? And that's all just that's one example, but it's happening all over. So they have mobile, desktop, connected TV. Those are, I think, the three sides of Magnite's business. Um, so they'll give the specs, whether it's like it's a mobile device, uh, this is how big the banner ad is, this is how long it's going to be or whatever, and uh, Magnite supplies that, and the trade desk or a DSP will fill that. 
through brands. Okay, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it, it's again, it's a little complicated, but just you know, they're supplying the ad inventory, right? They're reaching out with that stuff. And if it doesn't make a ton of sense, I recommend going and looking at Deval Kotecha's uh, Twitter. He has on his pinned tweet, there's a great layout that he's drawn up on what it looks like, and mm-hmm. it's really helpful. Um, but you're probably wondering why on earth this isn't like an enormous company because it seems like it's a huge TAM. Oh, yeah, EV to TAM, right? We're going to... Right, and the uh, the reason is most of the companies that do this are the walled garden. So Google, Facebook, I guess Amazon now with ads, um, they control all of it, so supply side and demand side. And so just recently there's been a big surge of independent ad platforms, uh, and the Trade Desk is the big demand side one. Um, and Magnite is just the – it's technically the largest independent supply-side platform, but it's a combination of – and I'll get into this – Talaria and Rubicon Project, who were two smaller independent ones. So they merged and built the largest supply-side platform, uh, but they really are trying to be the anti-walled gardens. And they put this – like the first line on their website says, we are Magnite, your global alternative to ad techs, walled gardens, and the giants who live there. Yeah, they're trying to play into that uh, mission a little bit. You know, there's a lot of anti-big tech right now, um, that, right? Do you think that's kind of what they're trying to go yeah, for? definitely. Get some sentiment on their side? Magna is just the – so they're just the combined company of Tolaria and Rubicon Project. I was a shareholder of Rubicon Project not too long ago. I was actually a shareholder of Tolaria before the merger, and I ended up selling shares, which I guess we'll talk about at the end. But – Anyway, Rubicon Project and Tolaria merged about a year ago, if I'm not mistaken, and both were smaller supply-side platforms. Now they've combined. Tolaria had a connected t- TV side of their business. Rubicon did not, but Rubicon had more of a stable mobile and desktop business. So they've since merged. Um, some other stuff about the history, I guess. I think all the executives or the founders from early on are no longer in the company. I might have that wrong, but... The, not a single executive or board member owned more than 2% of the company. And there was just one person with more than 1% and everyone else had less. Um, every executive was paid over a million dollars last year in total compensation. Saw that on the proxy. Uh, that's and, a lot of cash for a company of this size. Right. right. And it just, honestly, it felt a little bit like a shady proxy statement, but we can get into that later as well. Why don't you get into the valuation? Yeah. So just when you see that $1 million comp number, you might think, okay, well, if the company's quite large, that's not that bad, but this company is not that large. Their enterprise value is about $2.05 billion, and we're recording this pre-Thanksgiving, so this number could change, and their ticker is MGNI trailing EV to sales of 10.9. Uh, they had a tough Q2, so normalized. Uh, that multiple might be a little lower. If we do something along a crude um, ARR, which would be annualized recurring revenue, uh, which with this business may not be applicable, but if we just extrapolate Q3, uh, the EV to sales would be about 8.4, so still high, uh, but not as bad as like 11. Um, they're all unprofitable, not cash flow positive, so can't really look at a multiple there. Margin adjusted EV to sales, which is our in house thing to kind of look at a growth company, which is EV divided by gross margin and also divided by the trailing sales growth. That is 138.7, one of the largest we've seen. Yeah. Uh, typically, something hangs around 50. They have low gross margins, right? Yeah, it's not as high as you'd think. And revenue growth, again, it's not as high as you'd think, which is inflating that number. Those things can change over time, especially revenue growth can be quite shaky. 
um, in a good way or a bad way. But yeah, you know, no dividend. Uh, lots of stock-based compensation. Stock-based compensation. Uh, so conservatively, I mean, you probably would expect two to four percent dilution. You know, on an annualized basis going forward, if this trend continues, you know, of course, yeah. maybe there's some things with the merger. New management might need to get some skin in the game, or that's what uh, people that you know that's what they're telling people, just so they can get more stock and more money. Um, they have around fifty million dollars in working capital, um, assets and liabilities. Oh, okay, yeah. So their assets and liabilities are kind of inflated because they have a lot of accounts receivables and a lot of account payables. If you back that out. It actually doesn't really have that much on the balance sheet. It's very light, um, and those things, which will even out over time, hopefully, right, as long as the payables aren't a lot higher than the receivables, um, it kind of makes those assets look a lot bigger. All all the numbers were a little tricky because of this merger. I mean, it was basically two companies merging, and they were pretty much the same size. I think it was maybe... Uh, Rubicon was a little bigger, and Rubicon technically acquired Talaria, if I'm not mistaken. And so, but it was really just a merger, and so a lot of the numbers look inflated. But I mean, I, I, do you want me to get into the earnings? Then? Yeah, I just want to note that as of September 20th, on a pro forma basis, they had a 400 million dollar accumulated deficit. So you got to think they have a lot of ground to make up. Um, you know, they've been losing money for a long time. Each of these businesses is on their own have, and then on a combined basis, it looks even worse. Okay, so then third quarter revenue was $61 million. That was up 62% year-over-year. However, on a pro forma basis, revenue only grew 12% year-over-year. So that was... That's organic, it's, right? Yeah, so okay. the inorganic growth, sales growth was 62% because they just, I mean... That's one way to boost your top line is you just buy another business because they have revenue themselves. Uh, But connected TV revenue was $11.1 million, up 51% year over year. They had a net loss of $10.5 million versus $6 million a year ago. And keep in mind, the $6 million net loss was just Rubicon Project. The $10.5 million was the combined companies. Um, they had an operating loss of nearly $11 million, which included $2.5 million in merger restructuring costs. They said, I remember this, like a year ago, they said there's going to be cost synergies and they're going to save a lot of money. And now they're (laughs) paying restructuring merger costs. That isn't a good look. Uh, But over the last nine months, they've spent 16% of their revenue on stock-based compensation. That's pretty high. Um, They said they expect strong growth in CTV in Q4. I don't know. I mean, it was very vague. They just said strong growth. So that's one note, I guess. Uh, but most of their revenue still comes from mobile and desktop. Yeah, so CTV, while it's the story, um, they mention it a ton on the conference call and in the earnings release, it really isn't, I mean, you, what do you have the number there, 11 million versus a total top line of 61 million? It's going to have to grow quickly if it's um, actually going to be meaningful to the real top line. Yeah, and it sounds good to be like, well, it's growing 51% year over year. It grew from 7.6 million to 11 million. In this, in the next year, nominally, mobile and desktop grew faster. Yeah. But on a percentage basis, it looks good because CTV is growing faster. Yeah. So you're going to have to expect, um, if you're banking on that CTV for it to grow at a high rate, this 50% rate, for a few years at least, then it'll actually start mattering. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one, so you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? (sighs) 
All blocked, thanks to advanced security, included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Okay, welcome back. Next up is Digging Trenches. I kind of already think I know what you're going to do for this one, but what's your moat rating um, just looking at this business? Zero to three. Yeah, it's, it's going to be low. Uh, I'd say, well, just to begin with, ad inventory is pretty much a commodity at this point. Like the ad yeah. spaces, whoever can fill them at the highest rate, uh, that's who they're going to supply their ad inventory to. So I'm not sure uh, – I'm not sure anyone has a massive moat except for the walled gardens, but no independent platform, which first of all, they don't own the content and they don't own the devices. So it's really hard. You're a little bit fragile in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to give it, go low, maybe a zero or a one. Yeah. I go like 0.5. Um, and it's not like maybe it's, zero. It's not like if I'm ESPN and I have ad inventory, I'm not loyal to one yeah. supply side platform. Exactly. Like exactly. whoever's going to be able to fill that space the best, that's who I give it to. Yep. I agree with all those points. All right. Further reading. Um, you go first. What do you got? Um, yeah. So I guess how integral is the service that they actually provide? Because it sounds really important, but for the life of me, I can't figure out why they're growing so slow in what is supposed to be a booming industry. Right? Again, like, what is that? CTV and some yeah. of the other stuff, mobile as well. Connected TV, especially, like especially connected TV, sales growth slowed a lot. And the, everyone in that industry is getting rich off advertisers shifting away from linear. Yeah, Roku Trade Desk, right? And they're not seeing the same benefits. I mean, yeah, you can say there's going to be strong growth. I'm putting that in air quotes in Q4, but I'm still yet to see any huge growth. And I, I mean, they should be seeing huge growth. Uh, if go look at, just go look at Roku's shareholder letters and then compare it to uh, what is it, Magnite's earnings reports, and it's like two different worlds. It's like. They're competing in different spaces, but it's really all CTV. Yeah, so I guess the three variables I look at are one, you know, are they getting this huge bump? Is a rising tide of CTV like a giant rising tide lifting up this really bad boat of one, a bad business model? Maybe. I don't know. I guess I'm not an expert enough on this ad tech to, re- you know, understand if the SSP uh, side of things is a bad business model. And two, I think the most concerning thing is. Well, why is the management team not executing? That's the big concern here. Yeah, and I mean, uh, is so everyone talks about the subscription of everything. That plays a very much against Magnite's business model. And the other part is there's just a lot of unanswered questions for me. Like, why isn't there a bigger supply-side platform already? Like, yeah. the Trade Desk is like the big demand-side platform, and everyone always talks about it. Wouldn't there already be a successful supply-side platform? Advertising isn't new. Yeah, you would think. Um, maybe that's a question we need to ask Duvall yeah, uh, later, but or some other, you know, someone else in ad tech, because I think it's that part is a tiny bit over our heads. Uh, but it is concerning. I think at least the management part. Um, what are you looking at? Let's see. All right. Look simply. They on the earnings statement. Some things are in pro forma, which is organic and not including the inorganic revenue of two combined companies. You need to do your own combined earnings and income lines. It can be misleading because some of the stuff is inorganic, but they don't specifically state that it is. Um, And because they're not allowed to, because technically on gap, you have to do it combined. So that is something you want to look at. Uh, The comps are going to have a tougher time once a year passed. 
it's just you really need to look at that because if you see a high revenue growth number, that doesn't technically mean the businesses were actually growing. Yeah, and they weren't – it didn't feel like they were open about the fact – it felt like they were kind of purposely misleading people. I know they have to report those earnings that are combined, but they weren't very open about the fact that maybe the revenues weren't growing as fast. Like and they only, did it, they only did it for the top line – and then the other stuff, it could have easily been inorganic. They didn't really specifically state anything else, even like yeah. – well, maybe they did I guess they're earnings. losing money, so it's not like they had inflated profits. But. True. <laughs> that, that is true. All right, future growth opportunities, what is yours? Mine's actually mobile, and I, I think I'm looking at it now. I might have stolen yours in a way, but CTV, it should grow on its own if they have the platform ready. Right, they mm-hmm. have the tailwinds there. Mobile, on the other hand, this it already makes up forty eight percent of their total revenue, and it seems like the logical place to find growth because Apple is the one. They seem like the one brand that could really hurt the walled gardens with their. Uh, I mean, they crack down on the data stuff all the time, and their big thing is that they have a I don't know more valuable, more personalized ad experience, which I kind of find to be bullshit, but disregard that and so i think apple kind of feeds into that well and mobile already makes up a lot i think it's growing the fastest nominally as well yeah that makes sense i guess mine is slightly different it's the new identification standards um the loss of these third-party cookies and the new apple standards which you just mentioned so they talk about this on the conference call it has a ton of technical stuff uh which you gotta look up some some what some of the words mean but i think it can be summed up to this you know companies want to do morally quote morally target customers compared to the ways that people think that facebook and google do it uh in an unethical way i i don't know if they do or not that's again not my technical expertise but magnite is increasingly going to be a place to do that it is something they want to invest in it ties into the magnite marketplace which is where advertisers can send stuff out to multiple devices ctv mobile desktop are the big three um this is all going to be in one spot if there was any competitive advantage would this be it oh the marketplace the marketplace where you go to one spot and that's where you can get to all these devices and all you have to worry about is okay let's say we want um you know i guess i'll just define you know someone in their 20s someone that likes soccer someone that likes investing i don't know why they'd want that combo of person uh, for whatever product that person that advertiser wants to do, all they have to do is go to Magnite, and then it can go to whatever devices that person is on. Yeah, perhaps, but at the same time, it's like their whole thing is that they don't want to be the specified data collector and act like the walled gardens. So they have to, they essentially have to try to be the walled gardens while pretending they aren't. Uh, kind, kind of, kind of, because they, they want to target advertising, right? And they want to do that with data because you need the data to do that. But they also want to have open data collecting, right? So they don't want anyone's, whatever, identification, user yes. identification to be within this one company like Facebook or Google. They want it to be open for everyone, which that may lower their moat because that is what a lot of that people is, talk yeah. about with Google and Facebook is their huge advantage is that they have data exactly. over their customers so it's like you there's a reason that facebook and google did it that way and it's because it creates a competitive advantage i mean how does it make them any different than a smaller supply side platform that can do the exact same thing um that's yeah all right highlights and lowlights uh what do you have okay so ctv ad spend it's a giant tailwind that's got to be a highlight um other categories got back to growth in the latest quarter which i guess is good uh so they, they'd seen stagnating revenues on that 
um, scalable model with this advertising that hopefully should get operating leverage over the next two, three years because they don't need to double their employee count if uh, the advertising demand doubles for the Magnite marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, 10% of sales originated on the Magnite marketplace, which I don't know what it came off of, but that's a number probably to watch to see if that grows over time. Lowlights, though, CTV is only around 15 to 25% of sales. Again, we mentioned this already. The, growth, the high growth is good on a percentage basis, but on a nominal basis really doesn't mean that much to the entire company. Um, you know, I think this might be an average business propped up by a giant tailwind, and I don't like their capital allocation. So decade of past investments have been bad between both companies. They continually lost money when it's really like, uh, I don't know how they're still losing money, but whatever. Yeah. The, that, that's the big concern. Stock-based compensation is a lot uh In in the entirety, I don't need to go through all the lines, but the capital allocation historically seems bad, and what they're doing right now, um, it it also seems bad. Yeah, and we sound sort of pessimistic on this, and we got this show recommended to us by some listeners uh, on Twitter, and so we, you know, if you're a shareholder, I'm sorry, but I'm not super optimistic about the business. It sounds like a great business in theory. Uh, they're the independent player for CTV on the supply side. They're going to be just like the trade desk, but for the supply side. But it doesn't feel like that's actually how it's playing out. The bull thesis is totally centered around connected TV, but that's largely dominated by Roku and Amazon, and they have the competitive advantages because they own the devices. I mean, Roku's – so, A, the trade desk is growing their revenue at a much higher clip. And both nominally and percentage. Yeah. And Roku's DSP saw 90% growth in video ad impressions um, and also from a much and higher DSP clip. is the demand, right? Yeah. So Roku has their own demand side platform, and that's likely upwards of $100 million in revenue that they, that they grabbed uh, in growth. Yet the, somehow the largest independent supply side platform grew revenue by like $3.5 million when it's not like – People are maybe people are thinking like it's not apples to apples. They're smaller. It's like, but the ad money that's coming in is still the same between Roku. Yeah. Like it's all moving away from linear. It's not like they get a smaller piece of that pie unless they just don't have the platform to handle it. It doesn't seem right to me. Yes, like you said, poor capital allocation and the shade the proxy felt a little bit shady. Um, uh, do you want to mention that revenue metric thing? That's so usually like I mean, it's- I may have been off in this, but. It looks so their metric, uh, their performance metrics, so what they get paid based on their extra compensation, they can get up to basically twice their salary if they hit certain metrics. And one of them was revenue growth, which was a lot of it was inorganic. I, it didn't specify that it had to be organic growth, and all of them made double their salary last year. And in general, revenue growth is. I mean, we don't like that adjusted EBITDA is used, but that's even better than revenue growth. You really want it to be either free cash flow, earnings per share, because whatever. It, but revenue yeah. can, if you start selling like Uber, DoorDash dollars for 90 cents, you can really hit those revenue targets. Yeah, or you can go out and buy another business and inflate your revenue just to meet your performance metrics. And it was it'd be one thing if they weren't getting paid that much, but for a company that's only generating probably quarterly $30 million independent of the acquisition they get paid a million a year each executive that seems really high that is high all Uh, right 
More, uh, right, more or less interested. I think we both know the answer to this. Less interested. Uh, there's a lot of red flags with management. There's a lot of red flags with the business model. There's a lot of red flags with them getting propped up by a tailwind that won't be permanent and that they're not even even growing as fast as the industry. Anything else that you saw that were red flags? No. I, I Listen, I've been a shareholder. in. I was a shareholder in Talaria, and you just – Sometimes it's hard to specify, but you just read the conference calls and get a shady feeling. I started uh, to get that. I mean, that. This, the story sounds nice, right? But Yeah, and it just um, – it was underwhelming reading a lot of the commentary from management two years ago, and then I looked back on it. And also, I don't know, like it's a terrible name, and it sounds like a name <laughs> – like I know that, that that sounds like bullshit, but it sounds like they're trying to excite people by doing name changes and ticker changes. Like Possibly. That's it, possible. It seems useless. Uh, whatever, but yeah, I guess I'm just not super optimistic about yeah, it. Yeah, definitely not interested in uh, owning shares. Valuation is also a thing. Um, yeah. uh, over 10 times sales is real, and you got to be confident in the business if it's trading over 10 times sales. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. As always, remember to use our code CCM to get $10 off your first month at 7investing. We are not financial advisors. Uh, remember, you know, Anything discussed on the show is not formal advice. This is not a recommendation. Uh, you know, don't. Again, I say this a lot when we give hard takes on a company just because we want to reiterate this is just commentary for you to use in your own research. Um, if you want us to do any other shows, DM us. You want to say something, Ryan? Yeah, and we are also not uh, foremost experts in the ad space by any means. There are businesses that I think we understand really well. This, this isn't one of them. So we can be wrong. Uh, I recommend... Maybe we should start giving references to people that might be better. I recommend looking at Deval Kotech's stuff. Uh, he's much better in this space. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and we're not going to have, I guess, we're not going to have any of these shows for another month because of the 25 stocks of Christmas, but still, give us recommendations at chitchatmanypodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter. The link will be in the bio. Thank you all for listening to this episode. We'll see you in January.